Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's going on, everybody? Uh, it's your boy, Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash. It's the weekend. And, uh, you know, we try to give you this special grade-A content here at the Chair Shot. So uh, I figured we'd give you a weekend edition of the Outsider's Edge. But it's not, a spe- it's not the normal Outsider's Edge. Kyle is at home. Carl never shows up. That's normal. But I had to hit the bat phone and bring in my good brother, Chair Shot contributor, and the one and only Mr. Rob Burnett with me. Rob, what's good, brother? Ain't nothing much, man. What's happening, Ray? It's been a minute, man. You know, since I don't have a I don't have the reins to chair shot radio no more, but Rob was down there on there just as much as we were. <laughs> so it's good to get a chance to get back on here get back on here with you, man. Yeah, man, it's always good to be back and you know, well whole lot done changed since the last time I was on with you guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It with the with the with the move to e wrestling news, it just made sense for Greg to actually have Cheshire Radio Plus. We wasn't doing nothing with it. Keep it keep it a buck. <laughs> Me and Platt maybe threw one out every month and Greg's hitting it every week, so shout out to Greg for that. Quite been, man. What you been up to? Ah, well, nothing much well just the whole quarantine thing. You know, finally gave me the time to start my own show up. <laughs> like, that's one of the things that I've been just procrastinating about or kind of wanting to do but never getting around to it. So now... Well, plug that real quick, man. Yeah, plug it real quick. Go ahead. Uh, it's called the uh, Rob the Genius Podcast, and I have a new episode up every Friday. And I started back in March, like I said, during the whole quarantine thing because... Since you know, I work at home now every day, so I got I got extra time. So because I'm, I'm not I'm commute you know back and forth anymore. So you know I finally got around you know I finally got around to starting this up. So yeah, I talk about different things. I do talk a little wrestling sometimes. You know I can't leave that all together, but yeah. you know, I talk about other stuff. I talk about. You know, sports, talk about what's going on in the news. Uh, I play some music. I have what I call a musical guest every week. 
and I played some songs from one artist, and yeah, I've been focusing on kind of like 80s and 90s hip hop mostly, because that's kind of my wheelhouse for hip hop, and you know, and a lot of that's just been kind of forgotten. So I've made it kind of my mission to bring some of that stuff back. Yeah. See, I, and, I, I uh, appreciate. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. So I was um. You got Anchor is on there. I mean, that's where I host it, and that's a hosting platform. But it's also on Spotify and uh, Apple and iTunes. Okay. Okay. So you 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 out there? You you in, damn everywhere. <laughs> yeah, finally. So and like I still do my stuff. You know, write stuff for the chair shot, and I still got my own site, RobTheGenius dot com, where I write a bunch of different stuff for. So yeah, the platform is expanding. You know, uh, I see. You know, we gonna see where it goes. You know, uh, I mean, I look, I, you know, I do this stuff for fun mostly. If it turns into something, you know, bigger, then you know that's cool. If not, then hey, that's fine too. You know, but I just like hey, I like doing this thing. So why not? That's the goal, man. If 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 this can turn into something cool, cool. If it doesn't, we do it for fun anyway. But I appreciate. I always appreciate those shows those platforms that aren't just unilaterally one thing. Like, I'm a wrestling guy. I know that. But I love sports just as much as I love wrestling. I love music just as much as I love sports. And it's always cool to kind of mix those genres up a bit and kind of be a little more eclectic, cause, uh, especially now. Because, look, I love wrestling as probably, as probably as much or more as the next guy. Ain't nothing happening right now. Very little is happening of consequence. So, like... What is there really to talk about on a weekly basis? But to kind of lead into what we were planning on talking about today, uh, I know there's no sports. I know the world has kind of stopped. The world ended for a couple months. But thank goodness for basketball and Michael Jordan and the last dance, which has brought up all these feelings and conversations and lists and for the if you if you're thinking about the last if you're talking about the last dance or interested in that, PC Tony and Chris Platt from Potter's War are doing a special retrospective. They're going and doing um, they're recapping every every episode as it happens um, on Potter's War and they they jump they threw me in the past couple weeks. So check that out. But uh, we're not going to talk Michael Jordan necessarily today, even though I know my boys my boys swear by him. Rob swears by Jordan in the 90s, guys. What we are going to talk about is ESPN did a top list of the top players up today. And they did, I'm sorry, no, not up today, ever. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So they did a, well, they did a top 74. I don't know why they, I don't know how they came up with 74. Yeah, it's a regular number. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that, you know, they got to 74, and then after that, they couldn't, you know, uh, it wasn't anybody else that really stood out like that. You and know, and I mean, so, and the list is pretty controversial. Uh, we're not even going to go through the whole list because we'd be here all day long, but Giannis Antetokounmpo is higher than Isaiah Thomas. And that's ridiculous. In fact, this okay. even that's, that's egregious. Let me give you one that's more relevant to today. Giannis Antetokounmpo is higher than James Harden. That's and, yeah, even and more that, egregious. Yes. So we need we we're not here to talk about 
yeah, we'll be here all day talking about that. Well, we what we plan on talking about was just the top ten. So I'm going I'm to list the top ten, and I want you to give me your guttural first reaction when you hear it after I list the ten, all right? That's cool? Yeah. All right. Number ten is Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. Number nine Ooh. is... Number nine is rest in peace to Kobe Bean Bryant. Number eight, we got Tim Duncan. Number seven, we got Larry Bird. Number six, we got Wilt the Stilt. Number five, we got Magic Johnson. Number four, we got Bill Russell. Three, we got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Number two, we got LeBron James. And, I mean, number one is unanimous. His airness, Michael Jordan. What you thinking? Okay. Well, all right. Starting with number 10. You know, Shaq, all right. Um, in terms of his, like, career, number 10 is probably about right. Now, the only thing is, though, if I were starting a team and I could pick anybody in their prime, Mm-hmm. He would be number one just because of his combination of his size and athletic ability and skills for somebody his size and the way he just when he was in his prime and he gave a crap. I mean, he was unstoppable. Like, so you're taking him number one over Wilt, over Kareem, over Ooh, Hakeem, over true. Bill Russell. That's the tricky part, okay? Because Wilt was kind of like the prototype for Shaq. The same kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So, if I'm starting a team, um, I don't know about take Shaq over Wilt necessarily, but for me, a seven footer who is a great athlete and is just a destructive offensive force, for me, I take that over anything else. And I know, like, we don't really see that today, but. And so, men, so people have either forgotten or they just don't know just what it means to have somebody like that who can just go out there and just, you know, take a dump on everybody on the floor. <laughs> so, <laughs> Basically, yeah. And, and look, people, you know, and then people always knocking for his free throw shooting. But back when I used to, like, you know, way back in the day, I used to kind of chart games and stuff. And uh, one of my first little writing things was, Doing a basketball column for four and one million. This was like back in the early 2000s. So I used to go back and chart games and whatnot. And here's the thing, right? For all the people talking about his foul shooting is a problem, his foul shooting never cost him nothing. Like they didn't, he didn't never lose like no series or no playoff game or nothing because of his free throw shooting. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, he might shoot 40% from the foul line for the game. But he still get forty points. And and, and he always that, says he always says he hit them when they count. And that's and not also, completely accurate, but it's close to accurate. Well, he hit enough of them. And then the other thing is that by him drawing all those fouls, that gets his you know that get that got his team in the bonus, which got his oh, other yeah. teammates who were better foul shooters. Absolutely. So that you know that when people. That's the lazy argument to say that his foul shooting was a problem. No, it, it really wasn't. It didn't. There's proof that it didn't cost him anything, and it helped out his teammates. It got people in foul trouble on the other team. 
I mean, you know, if you, look, if you get you get four fouls on Hakeem in the first half, then Hakeem can't guard the rim the rest of the game like he normally does. Well, yeah, you're right, and it's not just Hakeem because Hakeem's gonna get three or four, and then the backup gonna get three or four. Charles Jones, then you got to put the four on him, and you're gonna have to go get. I'm a, I'm from Houston. Chucky Brown yeah. gonna get four. Otis Thorpe gonna get three or four. Like he's everybody gonna get in foul trouble and yeah. change dynamic so, of your of your defense. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, all that being said, I think number ten is fine because. But he had a habit of getting swept out of playoff series. <laughs> like, especially <laughs> when, like, <laughs> like his team, they didn't, they didn't go down in seven. If they lost, it was four or five, and they were out. You know, and that happened for a while. And, and then also, yeah, but he was young. You gotta give you gotta yeah. give him credit. He was young. We're talking ninety four, ninety five. We're not talking yeah. Shaq in ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. We're talking when he's just getting in the league, learning how to win. True. And I guess the other thing I would kind of hold against him was, like, if you're going to talk about longevity, like, you know, Tim Duncan hasn't beat on longevity, and, you know, so does Kobe, and so does LeBron. And, I mean, a whole lot of people haven't beat on longevity because, like, for about the last, like, six or seven years of his career, he was out there just, he was out there cashing checks. (laughs) Well, he got hurt. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. After about maybe 07. Like, his yeah, his legs, yeah. his feet just gave up on him, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, but, I mean, so, I mean, and if you, when you're comparing him to other Hall of Fame players, you have to take that into account. I mean, it doesn't Maybe matter. Maybe so. 15 years of dominance is a damn good career. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. But I, like I, I want to know where you stand on this because I know the Shaq World argument about dominance is a really interesting argument. But I want to hear about you because I know Kobe's number nine, and we'll, we'll talk about him, I'm sure. But Tim Duncan's number eight, and Duncan came in the league in 97, 98? 97. 97. So Shaq got five years on him. But where do you fall in their comparison? I know Duncan got five, Shaq got four rings I'm talking about, but where do you fall between their comparison historically and I know they don't play the same technical position, but it's big man. Where do you fall between them? What do you think of those um, those two in the comparison? Well, all right. I'd say Duncan probably had the better career just on longevity. Okay. Um, Shaq had bigger numbers, and it's well. It's, it comes down to kind of what, like, it's, what do you prefer? Do you prefer somebody who is going to be kind of like rock solid for a longer period of time, or somebody who's kind of absolute best is better? I would take. I would take Shaq. I would take Shaq at his best. Over Duncan at his best, and for one game, if I needed somebody for one game or for one series, I I would take Shaq over him. But now you know, you know the one interesting thing to me about these two is, and you can say the same about LeBron in a sense. Tim Duncan had the the luxury 
of playing with the greatest coach of our generation. And I'm, I say our generation because I know Phil's greatest ever, but, like, Phil stopped at a certain point. Like, Pop is – the stuff Pop does is just – his consistency is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. But essentially one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of our generation. Um, Duncan stayed with him his whole career. Duncan yeah. was blessed to come into the league with the with a top fifty, top ten all time big man who was able to teach him the game. And then he took over. And then with the same great coach was able to garner maybe not top fifty all time great, but further great players in Tony Parker and in Manager Nobly and was able to get great pieces with Steven Jackson and um uh Bruce Bowen and Michael Finley in the first couple of years. Like they that was such it was such a almost a factory. It was like yeah. you know what's gonna happen. We're guaranteed to do this. This is how you do. Shaq didn't have that. No diss to Brian Hill. Brian Hill wasn't the coach for Shaq. That's just fact. No diss to Dale Harris. Dale Harris historically isn't looked at as a great coach. It's just what no. it is. No diss to Mike Brown. Mike Brown has never been looked at as a great head coach. Defensive coach, yes. Head coach. Like, the only two coaches he played for that you can say are actually really good are, of course, Phil. And I think history has shown Eric Spolster is one of the better coaches in, in history, I think, at this point. Yeah, and then there was that about, what, six months where Pat Riley jacked the uh... Stan Van Gundy's job. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Pat came and sent Stan Van back to the kids' table, yeah. <laughs> so that's but, my, yeah, that's, I mean, a, that's that's the difference I see between those two. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and I think you're right because I mean, there was a more consistent. Duncan had a consistent structure around him from start to finish, and where, like I said, with Shaq. Orlando, it was, you know, it was kind of shaky there. Well, I think, what, the whole time they had, was Brian Hill was the coach the whole time, I think. And, you know, and then. Am I, yeah, yeah, in Orlando, yeah. But he was only there for, yeah. he was only there for like four or five years, I think. Yeah, and then next to Dale Harris, and then. Um, the Big after, field. Yeah, and then, yeah, he had field, and then next to he had Riley for about like six months. And then after that, it was. Like all the people use the name, so the, stru- the structure just wasn't there his whole career. And I mean, of course that matters. Oh yeah. And also, um, you know, when he got there, he got drafted in '92. So then, you know, I mean, there were some years where they were just, just from a talent standpoint, they were behind not just the Bulls but the Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers and a couple other teams in the East. So, you know, it just – he had a lot of just kind of extenuating circumstances going on that came, you know, that came into play as far as winning and all of that. So, so we got Shaq at 10, we got Duncan at 8, and yeah. there's no question those are the two greatest winners since Jordan left, easily. Yeah. Um, but Kobe's in the middle. Now, I know it's a bit – the conversation about Kobe, and I hate this because 
number one, you never want anybody to go, but Kobe went way too early in a way too tragic of a way. But pertinent to this conversation, because he's gone in the way he, he, way he left us, I feel like the conversation around him is a little more emotional instead of critical or analytical. So in saying that, do you think Kobe at nine is too low? Um, see now, all right. I'm not a Kobe. I've never been a Kobe fan as a basketball player. Okay. Because for me, just, you know, he, he was never that efficient. And I think sometimes we, the efficiency argument gets taken too far in 2020. But, sure, sure. Analytic, we're we're in the analytics, in the analytics world, so yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, it gets taken too far today, but I mean, there were games where when he shot them out of the game, and when Jack was still good. <laughs> yeah, and, early Kobe. You know, and uh, I just to me that, that that's always going to be enough to me, and also. You know, I mean, he, well, for a lot of I men, he was kind of doing Michael Jordan cosplay, you know, for his career. Sure, sure. And he did, he did it very, and look, he, he did it great. He, out of all the people that we compared to Mike, as far as, you know, style of play and all of that, I think he's probably the best one. But, yeah, I would agree. You know, Mike shot over 50% from the field, darn near all the time, until he was like with the Wizards and he was old. Right. That's real. I mean, That's Kobe true. Never shot, Kobe never shot 50% from the field. I don't think he did that once. He was always in kind of the low to mid 40s. And okay. so, I mean, that's not so. It's, I mean, he, he's just, you know, shot selection when it went, when it went, when things weren't going good, he didn't, he didn't, he, he wouldn't switch. Switch up what he was doing the way Mike. If Mike was shooting twenty percent from the floor, then he would go do a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, he, 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 he absolutely. He'd say, "I'm gonna just shut down the other team's best player, or I'm gonna go get ten assists." You're, you're absolutely right. And Kobe, and that's what, and well, and Kobe was never a big assist man. Either. I mean, and not that he was supposed to be, but Mike went out there. Mike got triple doubles all the time in playoff games. Yeah. I mean, oh, they, they were they were playoff games where Phil was just like, okay, Mike, you can play point this game, and Mike would get you know double double, triple double, or whatever. And at no point, like Phil never had Phil never went to Kobe and said, "Ah, right, you run a point this game," because that just I don't think that was really his skill set. Even beyond just his kind of mentality as far as shooting and all that, it just wasn't his skill set to go out there like that. I mean, Mike was all of Mike could do, Mike could excel at every part of the game on, on any given night. Whereas with Kobe, it was scoring. And well, well I, I I think in watching the last dance, you're really getting to see a, really getting to see a really introspective kind of look into Jordan's psyche, which is truly the best part about it. Because like we can go and do a dip back in, time and any time, but to see really introspectively how he thinks and perceives things, I think was the coolest thing about this. And I think what I've learned 
and you may feel differently, but the most important thing I've learned is that Jordan wasn't addicted to basketball. Jordan was addicted to competition and winning. Basketball was just what he was best at. Yes. Kobe was addicted to basketball. So the difference in that, in my mind, is, well, if Jordan's addicted to competition and winning, then whatever he got to do to win, he's going to do. Kobe just loved basketball and wanted to do the things he wanted to do in basketball because he loved it. I think that changed the dynamic a little bit when you're talking about the things you're talking about in which if Jordan is not getting in, a, in, a, in scoring, which was rare, he go do whatever else or this and that and had no qualms in doing it. Whereas Kobe, you know if Kobe triple teamed, and again, no diss, I love Kobe. He put in the rock up. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's the difference. And, and I mean, it worked out well enough for him. So, I mean, well, five titles, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned that it worked out well for him. Because uh, I want you to continue that thought. But Larry Bird's number seven. Larry got three. Now Larry's three were hard to get. They were no easy three. And Larry did things, I think, in a way that very few he's, – he's so much more than a shooter. But, I mean, he is probably thought of as, until Steph, the preeminent shooter-style superstar in his history. Do you think that Kobe's five usurps uh, Larry's three? Because when we get to this level, you're talking about the best ever, right? Like, we're, we're splitting hairs at this point. Cause all these guys deserve to be – in this conversation, but when you get to this level where the points stand for itself and their and their 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 biggest um, abilities stand for itself, Kobe's ability to to create shots and hit big shots and Bird's ability to see the floor and shoot, like it stands for itself. But the only way you can differentiate is longevity, as you said earlier, is MVPs or um, individual awards, championships. And if you look at it from that standpoint, can't you say Kobe's resume is better than Larry's? Okay, so in terms of now, in terms of overall numbers, um, Kobe averaged more points, mm-hmm. but Bird averaged more everything else. I mean, Bird averaged ten rebounds a game from the small forward position. That was a big front line, but yeah, you're right. He, and, well, that's and that's the same with with Parrish and McHale, who were grabbing a bunch of rebounds themselves. He still got ten rebounds a game. Let's let's, let's keep it a buck. Let's let's keep it a buck. Just like right. Magic Johnson isn't your prototypical point guard. Larry Bird was yeah. the small forward. No, Bird keep it a buck. I mean, yeah, was, Larry Bird. You know, Larry Bird was Giannis if Giannis could shoot. Yeah, and uh, I think so. Bird was kind of well; he, he did everything, and because he also averaged six assists a game, mm-hmm. which I mean, they're they're starting point guards that don't average six assists a game. Mm-hmm. He did everything, and now, you know, and also well, some of this wasn't his fault. His I mean, his, his body literally gave out on early, you know, and. You know, I mean, you can't. That's one of those things that you can't really, you know, blame him for. And then also that, but then 
I mean, their, their team got hit with just, you know, bad news, like, you know, Lynn Bias dying, after, you know, the night after the draft. I mean. Well, that was at the end of Larry's career, but that is, that is one of the most devastating things in NBA history, absolutely. So that was, let me tell you, that was 1986. And growing up. That was 86? I thought that was like 89. That was 86, mm-hmm. man. Cause look, I mean. Uh, they won the title in 86, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, and then they, they had the second pick in the draft because they swindled somebody out of it. <laughs> right, I mean, and I forgot who they traded with for it, but they got it, and then they turned it. And so they got the pick, and it turned out to be number two, and they drafted Lynn by it. And let me tell you, growing up in the D.C. area, uh, you know the way that a lot of wrestling fans are about, like, Eddie Guerrero dying and Owen Hart dying? Oh yeah, yeah, I got you. Lenny Bias, is, yeah, Bias. he's a Maryland kid, yeah. And you know, I saw him play at Maryland, and he was—I mean, he was phenomenal. And he got drafted second, and then he—he he died literally like that night. He went out to celebrate, and he OD. And that's crazy, man. So had that's he come crazy. in, had that happened? All right, that was '86. They already had three championships. Had he been there as in, like, to be, like, even if he was just, like, a sixth man to give, you know, Larry a, a you know, to just take some of Larry's minutes, but he didn't run 40 minutes every night, they probably would have got another title out of it before the Bulls came and took over. Oh, oh easily. Right. Lenny Bias is what yeah. – no diss to Kobe, but I've heard people that watched him say that Lenny Bias is the closest thing we've ever really truly had to Jordan. Yeah, and it was one of those, you had to be there. Yeah. And so for that to happen, basically what that mean, after that happened, you know, the guy who should have been there to give Bird and Mikhail some time to rest and still score like 20 points a game or something, that guy wasn't there. So yeah. they had to keep carrying the load. And they both, I mean, that pretty much both killed both of their careers, really, because they both broke down earlier than they would have. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. So you got to kind of get that in consideration with Larry, because you remember, like, during when the Dream Team, Larry hardly played. Like, well, he, so Larry and Magic were more ceremonial than anything. Yeah, and yeah, and then because you saw like those videos of the practice when everybody else was getting into it and all, and Larry was over there just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wanted none of that. Yeah, um, but and Bird is one of those guys where you had you had to see him because I've been in many an argument about Larry Bird and how he would do today because some people think that because and let's be real with it, some people think that he was you know he was a white guy and he didn't jump all over the place. That he wouldn't be any good now, and oh God no, they give y'all buckets. Oh, I mean, today when when you, know, when you you can't hand check people on the perimeter, and he could just run all over the place and run off a screen and get open. And today in the offense where three pointers are emphasized like they are, I didn't think about that. Great point. So you know he was like a ninety percent foul shooter. Yeah, and, then also, and then also, I mean, when we make these comparisons, people act like, you know, 
guys who played in the in 1980 would be on the court now wearing Chuck Taylors. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, LeBron has on the new LeBrons, and you beat them right. I mean, that's true. Do. Yeah, yeah. Medicine and advancements in science and cryogenic chambers and plasma treatments in Switzerland and yeah, you're right. And now, and the bird was six nine, so it wasn't like. Like, there's some guys, I mean, if you were 6'1 in 1960 and you dominated, you would have problems today. Yes. If you were still only 6'1. Or it was 6'9. Mm-hmm. And 6'9 is 6'9. I mean, you know, because, I mean, yeah, there are some taller guys like you know, who, like, you know, Dirk or Giannis and all of them, but people get, like, that's not the norm. Like, the average small forward in the NBA today is still you know, six, seven, six, eight. So it's not like he would be smaller than people. Oh, no, he'd be bigger. Yeah. He'd be taller. Yeah. It's, he'd be it's, taller than most small forwards. He'd be taller than any shooting guard. He could be taller than power forwards, to be honest. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, he, I mean, he would have problems scoring on people like LeBron, but LeBron is one of the best defenders in the, has been one of the best defenders in the league for years. So everybody has problems scoring on LeBron. But those nights where he's out there against some some scrub on some sorry team, oh man, he he would kill those guys. So let me ask you this, and uh, I really want to get to the top five, but real quick, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Wilt. Um, but in talking about Wilt, I have one question for you, and I'll, let's kind of keep it brief because I really want to get to the top five. Uh, okay, but. It's always been a struggle for me to historically rank big men over wings or guards because of the fact that big men so ha- they they have to be given the ball to make to to work with, whereas wings and guards control the ball and henceforth control the flow of the game. That's why it's always been tough for me to kind of rank centers and power forwards in that historical realm. Where do you stand on bigs versus wings in historical context? Well, okay, but I would always – a big who can score a lot of points in the post, I will always take one of them first. Okay, so so you're a traditional guy, yeah. Because it's just easier. <laughs> it's easier to score two points closer to the basket than it is to shoot a jumper and make it. So, and now that doesn't mean that, now if we're comparing careers, then you have to look at, the, you know, what they actually accomplished and all of that. So, with Will, look, I mean, Will averaged 50 points a game one season. <laughs> and, and, and then 20, there was a season. 24 rebounds. And um, there was a season where he averaged like 48 minutes. So, hold minutes. on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. For those of you listening, Will Chamberlain averaged 48 minutes in a season. reason he averaged that much is because he had so many overtime games that he literally averaged the, playing the entire game. Will Chamberlain is seven yeah. foot two. Yeah. So Which means on, to, on top of that, on top of that, real quick, and it's all yours, Ian. I'm sorry. When he got to the Lakers. He was so sick of people saying he was a one-trick pony by only scoring. He said, screw that, and 
led the league in assists. It's ridiculous. From the center position. Yep. Just, just the, he just decided he's gonna lead. He won. He's gonna lead the league in assists. He just decided that. From the center, and he's gonna do. And he led the league in assists from center, which is crazy. And he did it. Thank God for Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. <laughs> yeah, and um, now I mean the knock on Wilt is that he kind of he didn't have that you know, Georgia mentality as far as competing. Because you can imagine if if he had Mike Jacoby's mentality as far as competing, then they 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 ban him from the league. <laughs> You're right, but let me ask you this, Rob. Legit. Yeah. Name what what center had that mentality? And historically, what centers had that what centers had that mentality? Like all time great center, Kareem notoriously wasn't. He he liked winning, but he wasn't the ultra competitive. He was just better than everybody, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Wilt didn't have that mentality. Bill Russell was playing against six foot two white boys. No diss, but it's the truth. Um, and he was competitive, but I mean, like the level of what we know these great wings to be. I mean, Shaq wasn't that competitive. Hakeem, when he got into the league, was like real feisty, and then he found Islam and was like, "All right, let's just go do this." David Robinson wasn't like historically. Dwight Howard, yeah. like. So is it is it just a big thing? Is just like a big man thing? Um, maybe because I would say Patrick Ewing was he just didn't have a team around him. Okay, that's fair. That that's yeah. probably the one no. that I can agree with you on. And I'm saying in the Alonzo Morning, the Georgetown boys, man. <laughs> Alonzo Morning, you get look. I will I will go to my grave saying that Tim Duncan is a center and Alonzo Morning is a power forward. I'm sorry. I know he played center, but Alonzo, Alonzo Mourning reminds me so much of Al Horford in that he's played his whole career in the wrong position, but, but thrived at it because he's so damn good. That and then, that and then just, I mean, he brought that intensity. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, it's not, it's not common for those elite big men to also have that kind of fire in them. Now, I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit on Russell because I think he did, but he just wasn't – Russell didn't have the offensive skills that, as far as scoring that other people played. He ain't need them. He ain't need them. Well, no. No. But, and, and, and Russell could have averaged 30. He ain't need them. True. Russell could have had Steph Curry's three-point stroke. He ain't need it. True. But um, well, I mean, it's put this way. Um, again, if if we're starting a team, and you told me, okay, right, you're gonna be stuck with Wilt as your first pick. No problem. Oh, oh, it's like you know, when uh, Hakeem got drafted first and Jordan got drafted third. Well. That's Nobody the greatest. That's the great. You, that's the greatest. I think tribute you can give to Hakeem Olajuwon is that he was drafted before Jordan, 
and not one person, Jordan included, has ever said, yeah, he should have done that. Everybody's like, I get that. That is the greatest tribute to Hakeem Olajuwon in history. Yes. Even Jordan so, understood and understands to this day, yeah, man, it's Hakeem, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you get a chance to draft a seven-footer who can do what he can do, you do it. And you worry about the rest later. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, and, so let's get to the – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. And now we want to get to the top five after this. All right, so let's get to uh, number five. Well, well, hold on. So because oh, the top five is a bit, it's been this has been the the controversial part I think of the top ten. Because Magic is five, Russell's four, Kareem is three, LeBron is two, Jordan is one. I watched um, Get Up the day after this this list was unveiled, the top ten. And um, Stephen A. Smith and uh, Jalen Rose are both on there. Jalen Rose said something that I hadn't crossed my mind so I thought about until I really sat down and thought about it. Jalen Rose says that it's too early for LeBron to be on this list because if you look at it from a historical context, the level of dominance he has doesn't match the level of dominance that Magic has had, that of course, Jordan has had, Kareem, and Wilt have had. And I think we all can understand Jordan, Kareem, and, 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 and Russell, not Wilt, I'm sorry, Russell. Their, their resumes speak for themselves. But I think we, for, we look at Magic and think of the smiling guy, and then, quite frankly, think of older Magic with AIDS, who's the businessman, or HIV, yeah. sorry. But Magic won. Magic won. Uh, went to the uh, NCAA finals and beat Bird his freshman year, sophomore year, I believe. Um, and then came to the league, yeah. so won an NCAA championship. His rookie year, he wins an NBA championship playing center. Well, because Kareem is hurt, wins Finals MVP. Magic won five titles in 12 years and Magic has four, five MVPs? Something around there? Yeah. So Magic is my favorite player of all time. Magic and and Magic and LeBron are it for me. Magic Johnson is everything about Magic Johnson, the way he played basketball is the way is the reason why I perceive basketball the way I perceive it is through his eyes. Yeah. Um, And Magic is my all time favorite also. So we're on the same we're on the same page here with this. So I'm questioning is and I, now mind you I'm a LeBron stan, not a fan, a stan. I will defend LeBron to the death. Is this a is this a recency bias because but by by putting so many people over Magic or is the the fact that his career didn't span a long enough time does that hurt him? Um, I think it is a bit of recency bias. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Now, in terms of just overall skills, um, LeBron is a way better defender than Magic ever was. Oh God, yeah. He's more I mean, athletic. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a better athlete, and I mean, LeBron might be the best as far as overall combination of 
size, skill, athletic ability, and kind of basketball IQ. Yeah. Um, like just just combining all of those things into one player, I think because I mean he's taller than Jordan. Um, he's a better athlete than Magic. He's a better defender than Magic. You know, he's just as smart as the smartest players out there. Um, you know, and so I think just combining all of that stuff together, he might be the best combination of all of that. Now, comparing him to Magic, here's the thing. Um, and uh, Magic, kind of like with Tim Duncan, how Tim Duncan had a great structure his whole career. Magic, the other rookie came to, but they had Kareem right there when he, when he got there. <laughs> Magic never, True. Magic, you know, Magic never had to, you know, toil on a losing team the way that LeBron had to for a few years, the way that Mike had to, you know. Um, yeah, but, most I mean, of other, yeah, most of his other contemporaries had to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then so I mean, you do have to kind of take that into account. Now, it's funny because you know. Uh, you know, although with this last dance, we see how you know, Mike has that attitude about winning and all that. Magic had the same attitude. It's just he did it with a smile. <laughs> That's the truth. But, I mean, Magic didn't, I mean, I don't think he, like, cussed people out in practice or anything like that. But he had the same kind of mentality towards people. That if you're not here to win, you're out of here. Yeah. Then, I mean, well, it's, and, it's, it's, one thing to, it's one thing to be said that, when they when they went to the uh, when they went to the Olympics, it was Magic versus Michael. He was the contemporary. Yeah, and then look, Magic got coach fired when he was with the Lakers. When they when when uh, when you know, Pat Riley got hired, Magic Magic got Paul Westhead fired. That was him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, I was flexed. Magic had this, Yeah, I mean, so look, Magic had that same kind of mentality. As Mike, it's just Magic was, I mean, he was more diplomatic about stuff. You know, he didn't, you know, he wouldn't haul off and cuss people out in practice and all that kind of thing. Magic had his own way of letting it be known that, you know what, this dude right here, he ain't about that life, so he got to go. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I really, you're right, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, really. Go go look up Paul Westhead and what happened with him as the Lakers. There's a reason Pat Riley started. Pat Riley was never supposed to be a head coach ever, and yeah. Magic was like, "Nah, bro, we need him." Um, I am. It is a really interesting conversation to me though because, um, you know, they talk about Mount Rushmores are so in in vogue. Speaking of Mount Rushmore, shout out to the Badlands podcast. My boy Paul Tolley and Mags uh, Darren they host. Badlands podcast on Chairshot on Chairshot Network, which is essentially a Mount Rushmore show and so much more. But uh, shout out to that little plug. Shout out to them. Um, but man, Ike, I would probably put Russell lower. I no diss to Bill Russell. Bill Russell is amazing, but I think Bill Russell was, and this is going to be sound blasphemous. I apologize. I think Bill Russell was more of a product of his situation than any other of the top ten. What do you think? Um, I, 
I don't 100% agree with that, but I maybe kind of 50% agree with that in that he he, you know, he wasn't the big scorer. Now he said he didn't need to do that. But, you know, just comparing numbers, if you look at his numbers and you look at everybody else's numbers, he's, scoring-wise, he's always going to look, you know, kind of less than. And well, also... You know, then, and now, now what I do take kind of issue with people talking about Russell is when people say he was he was just playing against a bunch of bums. Um, the thing is, I mean, they only had eight teams in the league, so you know, the eighth best center is better than you know a thirty team league where you have thirty centers. Well, so, so let me let me let me tell you why so I disagree with that notion. Know. You're right, yeah. technically, but let me tell you why I disagree with that notion. Uh, when I say he's a he's a product of his of, of his environment more than any other top ten, Bill Russell came into the league at a time where the league was just getting integrated. So it's not just that he was playing against bums. The league had been integrated for a couple of years. We're not talking of a full league of full on the best players playing in the league yet. This was a few years away. So he's already. He's already taking advantage of and taking advantage of is such a really probably unfortunate thing to say, given as man couldn't play because he was black. But you get my point. Um, playing against the league that he was already bigger, more athletic, faster, better than just off GP. Then he played for the preeminent coach of that era. Then who who didn't who truly didn't care about what you looked like? Can you play? Then, look at the list of Hall of Famers he's played with. Bill Russell played with more Hall of Famers than any other basketball player in history. The Jones brothers, Bob Cousy, Havlicek, is ridiculous. The number of Hall of Famers he played with. So, you know, I know all these other great players play with other great players. Michael had Pippen and Rodman and Kukoc and all these, Horace Grant. And LeBron has had, you know, eventually got to... Bosch and Wade, and uh, then he had Kyrie and Kevin Love, and so on and so forth. I get it. He had Shaq. For, I get all that. But ultimately, Bill Russell had more Hall of Fame players than any other player, not great player, player in history. My man just was dealt, dealt a great hand. Now, my one of my counters to that is though that he had to play – he played Wilt every year in the playoffs, every year. <laughs> and, and he beat him every year because Wilt had nobody. Name me one of Wilt's teammates yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah. Name me one. So he had to beat Wilt every year in the playoffs. And then he also had to play Wilt a bunch of times during the regular season, more times than – if they were both in the league now, they might play each other like five times if they're, in the same, if they're both in the East or whatever. But back then they had eight teams, so they had to play each other more. So you had more games against both Chamberlain. You're right, but I ask you, I ask you again: name me one player Will Chamberlain ever played with on Philadelphia. You're, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I can probably name the entire Celtics team. Yes, and, and you're right about that. Now, it's just well. The thing with Russell is it just it depends on how you judge 
it depends on your opinion of the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. All right. If you if you have the opinion that the rest of the league was trash back during the sixties, then that's going to affect how you judge Russell. If you you know if you're like me and you don't think the rest of the league was trash, then you probably think more of. And another thing is, I guess the Russell is oh, okay. Well, they were they were supposed if they were supposed to win every year, they did. <laughs> so, um, whereas you know there were times where there was at least once or twice in the finals where the Lakers should have won and they didn't with Magic and with Shaq. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. With yeah. Um, yeah. So both with Magic and with Shaq and Kobe, there was at least one time where they. Should have won. They didn't. There and was most least, times least, it was a Detroit. <laughs> yes. And um, there have been times with LeBron in the finals where he oh, too should have won and did not. Too many. So, um, with Russell, or in the same thing with Wilt. When Wilt was with the Lakers, and I mean, they had Wilt, Elton Baylor, and Jerry West, and they still lost in the finals. So. Yep. Yeah, with Jay Russell, West wasn't very lucky in the finals. <laughs> and so with Russell, you don't have that. They got to the finals, and you might say, well, yeah, but they were supposed to win in the finals. They did. I mean, right, like, there's, no, there's no, like, you can't point to any of the finals that Russell was in and say, well, man, he choked that time. It, you know, like, remember, I mean, LeBron had got beat up by with J.J. Barea or something in you know, Dallas? Uh, I, I, the dream has a memory of that. And so there's no, you know, like there's no moment like that for Russell. Yeah, like, man, but wonderful. Russell was never the go-to guy on any of those teams. Right. Nobody ever said, Bill, we need a bucket. Never, ever said that. No. But in the fourth quarter, there were times where it said, okay, Bill, we need to, we need to shut Chamberlain down. <laughs> And well, okay, Wilt, I, I mean, I give you that. And Wilt, I mean, Wilt would get his numbers for the game, but when it came down to fourth quarter, and they said, "Okay, Bill, we, you know, Wilt can't get nothing, and we gonna win." Wilt didn't get nothing. You right, even but if, if we're talking, even if you finished the forty for the game, when it came down to the crunch time, when you know, when it was like, "Okay, Will, you're not getting nothing," like you might have forty. Already, but you're not getting nothing else these last five minutes. I mean, look, you, I, I cannot dispute anything you're saying. You're right. But if we're strictly talking just one side of the ball, just defense alone, I mean, Rodman, Pippen, Draymond Green, Dwight Howard, Ben Wallace, like there's so many guys you can put in that list that did the same thing. Ben, ben Wallace stopped Shaq in 2004. Six foot nine. Like, it, you know, so, I mean, what you're saying is valid, but I think if we're talking the best of the best, the greatest of all time, everybody on this list we've mentioned did it on both sides of the court. Everybody. Michael. Yeah. Ma- uh, Michael. LeBron. Uh, Kareem. Um, Wilt. Um, Magic. For the most part, he he, he 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 wasn't great, but he he competed like hell on defense. Um, Kobe, Shaq, Duncan, like all of, even go further on. D Wade, um, 
Hakeem, like everybody on this list, the greatest players of all time. Bill Russell only did it on one end of the court. He just won everything. Oh, yeah. So with that, so I mean, the way I kind of feel is that, like I said, I, I hear that argument. And so I'm, I understand that argument. But I guarantee That's how you. how you feel, my brother. Okay, well, put it like this. All right. Like I said, he he won every time he was like he didn't choke. He won every time he was supposed to. Um, they when, lost one to Atlanta, but yeah, you're right. And that wasn't even in the finals. That was like in the like the conference finals, finals or something. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, he won two as a player coach. Now that's so like that's the, the most two, impressive thing he ever did. Yeah. The last two he was coaching and playing. Yeah. Um. So I guess, well, okay, here's the thing. I guess I'm more of a Russell defender than necessarily saying he's the best player of all. I don't think he's the best player of all time. But I do get kind of defensive when people just act like what he did was nothing because of when he played. Yeah. And yeah, I and do think if you put him if you put him in today's game, again, with, you know, today's playing conditions and all that dominates. stuff. He dominates. Yes. And also what gets left out is that he was the one that would start the fast break. He would get the rebound and he would, and he would dish it to And that, I mean, that was a pivotal part of their offense. I, so let me, let, me, let me say this, Rob. I don't, and for those listening too, I don't, if I'm coming off as dismissing Bill Russell's contributions to basketball, I apologize. Bill Russell is one of the greatest of all time, and he deserves to be on this top ten list. I'm not disputing that. It's just, like I said earlier, if we're, we're comparing the greatest and we're trying to rank them, like, we're splitting hairs at this point. And ultimately, if you compare entire careers, and not just not just strictly numbers, not just strictly wins, but everything that comes involved with that, the era you played in, who you played with, who your coach was, your longevity, your health, everything involved, um, not just numbers, but the things you did on either side of the court, were you dominant? Could you do both? Could you be counted on? as a leader in every aspect of your team. So all that matters. And if we're going to talk about our top four, and I'll give you the final word on this because we're hitting the hour, and I know you wanted to kind of, we wanted to talk about Leo and Mark Henry for just a minute. I'll give you the final word on this, but if we're going to talk about your top four and your Mount Rushmore, Jordan is there. Nobody's taking that away from him. Uh, yeah. Kareem is there. Nobody's taking that away from him. I think, and I believe you think, Magic is there. Nobody's taking that away from him. LeBron trumps Bill Russell to me. I won't put it this way. Um, I'm not going to argue with anybody who says that because I think there's a. I mean, I think that's a. It's that's definitely an argument that can be made. Um, do I think LeBron is a better overall player than Bill Russell? Yes. But if you ask me, who's had a better career? I mean, eleven for eleven in the finals. You know, I mean, I mean, hey, you know, I mean, um, what would my boy Jay say? Been a lot. Women lot numbers don't lie. Yeah, like if, if Bill was like five for five in the finals, then I would then I would go with LeBron. But he got left. <laughs> so that at least yeah. is is not. 
you know, you can't just, to me, you can't just say, well, LeBron is better and there's no contest. You at least got to listen to somebody who makes the case for Russell, and you can't sure, just sure. tell them. You can't just tell them to be quiet. Now, if I'm sure. thinking, if it's, the whole, if it's the whole starting a team from scratch, yes, I would take LeBron. Um, uh, so, look, man, that we could spend hours talking about this top ten thing. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I know you wanted to kind of make a point or speak on Leo and Mark Henry's situation real quick. So uh, go ahead and lead it in, man, and then uh, let us let us all know what you're thinking. All right, well, to me, all right, it's, it's kind of sad, man, because I guess I don't like it when all this stuff gets aired out and because, well, the reason, the reason I don't like it is, look, I mean, look, sometimes beef becomes public, and you know, it is what it is. But it's gotten to the point now for me anyway where it looks like it's become entertainment for people on social media. And it's not, you know, we're not solving nothing here. You know, we're not resolving anything here. Now it's just, you know, it, it, you know, people are getting people are getting a kick out of seeing them go back and forth there on Twitter now. Yeah. So when it, so when so when, to me when it turns into that. That's when y'all got to stop because y'all not helping. Ain't nobody helping nobody right now. Now it's a show. I mean, you know, I mean, what? It's not a show when they're not pretending. I mean, they're both dead serious about all this. But everybody else is a show now. And nothing that's coming out of this now is going to make anything better for, you know, the black wrestlers in WWE who are still there. You know, I mean, no, nothing's coming out of this now that's going to make anything better for them. Yeah. And to me, you know, when, you know, when you, if you're going to bring up issues, then I always look at it like, okay, well, you're going to go public with all this. You know, what exactly are you trying to, what are you trying to solve? What are you trying to accomplish? And look, I mean, Leo has every right to come out and speak his mind. And look, I'm look, I'm biased toward Leo. He's a, you know he's a PG County boy, and like me, and he has every right to speak his mind about his experiences there, especially now that he's gone. Sure, sure, sure. And now, and to me, Mark got in his feelings. You know, so, and, recently, sure, recently, sure, yeah. And yeah, I mean, and Mark has. Well, there are times where he he comes off like a houseman. <laughs> See, now now that I take now that I take umbrage with, yeah, he's not doing it. Like it's one thing. Look, if, if you tell the brother, if you tell the brother to calm down once, or in, in one situation, that's one thing. But it's at the point now where he he's literally doing that all the time. Every okay. time where something. Every time where it looks like a, uh, one of the black wrestlers there has been done wrong or booked wrong or something, every time he's coming out and saying, y'all need to chill out. Can, can I and, counter that real quick? Yes. Two quick counters. And I want you to finish because I, 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 we, we actually differ on this, on this point, which is I think will make this really interesting. Um, two quick, quick counters, because I don't want to take your train of thought away. One, all of those wrestlers you've mentioned, none of them work there anymore. 
Number two, the exhibit A, the, the perfect exhibit of the reason why he says that stuff. And maybe he jumps into people's business when he shouldn't, which I can agree with that. I, we can agree on that. But exhibit A of what he's, the, what he's trying to avoid, ACH. Yes. And, and honestly, too, I mean, that's kind of, I was also thinking about that, too, because when he started, like when he started really getting wound up, it really bothered me that so many people on Twitter were just egging him on to just spill everything and let it all out. And I'm like, dude, none, don't, none of them people care about you, man. They just want to show. Yep. They just want some energy, you know, and they want to show on, they, you know, to talk about on, you know, while they're on their Twitter feed. And, you know, I, and I, that's, to me, that, that's where the ACH thing ended up going. And now, I mean, it really looks like he's not getting booked anywhere. No, he blackballed himself. And please, please, Sorry. those of you listening, don't don't miss me with that bullshit that WWE did anything. He blackballed himself. Go ahead, and, man, I'm sorry. Okay, so and I don't I don't think Leo has done that. At least not. I don't think it's turned into that yet with him. Um, but it just it bothers me. Just you can't be you know like I said sometimes these becomes public and it is what it is. But if it gets to the point where you're where it's turned into a show for people, then you're not helping yourself. And you're not helping anybody else. Now with Mark, now, because like, cause my thing with Mark is not just with like stuff like with ACH and with Leo. Like I remember when um, I think it was when Bianca lost to she lost to Rhea Ripley, and then a few weeks later she lost to Charlotte, and then yeah. a lot of people were, were mad about that, right? And now and she's he was out there, doing, and he was out there doing the you know on the you know calm down, don't worry about it. And sometimes, you know what? Because of the history of the business, there's no guarantee that somebody like Bianca is going to get that made up to her later. So when you see us getting mad about it, sometimes you just got to let people vent. <laughs> you just you just got to sometimes. You can't be out there, you know. Jumping out there immediately, telling people, "Man, just calm down, just calm down." I mean, sometimes, or like when when Kofi lost the prop, right? Sometimes you just gotta let people be mad, and let them, you know, I mean, you know, with Kofi later on now, I mean, I guess one of the things that kind of helped me get through it was that, you know, when you hear him talk about it later on, he's fine with it. So, if you're fine with it, I'm not gonna be mad for you. But Marcus is he's too many times he's he's kind of run out there in front of the parade to tell everybody to calm down. So and, yeah, and to me that's that's a problem for me because you know you, I mean you're you're old head in the business you've been around and for the younger folks you got to I mean to me anyway you got to listen to people. You got to understand why they're mad, and then 
then if you want to say, okay, I get why you're mad. Now, if you want that to change, look, let's let's work on what we can, what you can do as fans to to get that to change, and and what I can do in my role to get things to change. Let's work on that. But when you just run out there and tell everybody to calm down, that's not a good look. Because then you start looking like you start looking you start looking like the the black celebrity that they put in front of the camera when the, you know, when after the Rodney King murders. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I got you. Or you start looking like uh, the, the you know the you start looking like the brother that they get to go forgive you know uh, Riley Cooper after you know he called everybody in word at the country music concert. Right? You start looking like that guy that they that they go find to forgive the white person who acted out of pocket. I got you. I and got you. He's, he's starting to come in. He, that's how he's coming off now. He's coming off like the brother they go find to tell all the black people to calm down when we're mad about something. And he, okay. and if he doesn't see that for himself. That's what he's become now in a lot of people's eyes. And okay, he needs to kind of step back and see that. <laughs> Okay, so one, he hosts a radio show, so he can't step back unless he stops, unless he quits. That's number one. Uh, we, we as a society, especially as a black society, forget these people in the media have a job, and their job is to promote dialogue and oftentimes to find things to have dialogue about. That's important to remember, and Mark is a member of the media now. That's number one. Number two, and this is something I have a major problem with in our society, is that, you know, being a black man, and I'm very proud of my heritage, and I'm very proud of where I come from and who I am, but the one thing I think that we have a major problem with is that because of what we've gone through as a society and what we still go through and what we probably will be going through for ever, unfortunately, we tend to jump to things when it's not that. You brought up two tremendous points. Kofi losing to Brock in eight, ten seconds, and Bianca losing to Rhea and to Charlotte back-to-back. Those situations were booked to garner the reaction they got. Problem is, because we're black folk and because we want black folk to succeed, and not just black folk, but people who have earned that right to succeed because Bianca had earned her moment. Kofi had earned his moment to be, we knew he was going to lose, but to be competitive. They, they had earned that. This wasn't given to them. They had earned that. Um, but we couldn't see it for, oh, well, they're going to reaction to make that person more sympathetic and to make us care about them more. We just took it as, well, they'll never give us nothing. That's, that's, I don't think that's fair. Because in wrestling, you can't book specifically for a demographic. How can you book that way? How can you book an entire card, an entire matches, an entire moments based on one demographic? Now, it turns out that way sometimes. You can cater to them in certain situations and scenarios, but ultimately your only point in booking 
is to do what's best in the interest of the story. Now, in hindsight, you can say that story worked. That story didn't. The story didn't work. And that's no fault of Kofi's, no fault of Brock's, no fault of Kane's, no fault of WWE's. It didn't work. But the story was perfect. The only person in the history of Brock Lesnar, there have been two people in Brock's, I'm sorry, three people, no, just two people in Brock's history that have gotten the better of him. Goldberg and Kane. He righted the Goldberg wrong at WrestleMania 33, 32, 30, 33, 33. 33. Yeah. Yeah. And Kane came because Kane and storyline and kayfabe is close friends with Rey Mysterio and Brock out of nowhere tried to kill Kane of Rey's son. Kane, who was already working on coming into wrestling, said, nah, I'm coming to stick up for my godson, my nephew, whatever you want to call it. The problem was Kane didn't deserve a title match. Kane was injured and lied to WWE, and WWE overestimated how much people would be upset about Kofi. It's nobody's fault. It happened. None of that is because, oh, well, they tried to hold a black man down. I'm not saying you said that, but that was the rhetoric. Bianca pissed me off. You can go find the episode of The Edge where I was pissed off. However, you have to understand, Rhea still on 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 uh, NXT has only was seen once in four weeks. Bianca Belair on Raw every week. There's a there's Becky Lynch is gone. I wouldn't doubt if, if Bianca Belair is Roman's champion before the end of the year. Bianca always felt like more of a main roster star than an NXT person. So it's like, I think a lot of the issues people have, a lot of the reasons people have issues with what Mark says in these scenarios or when he sticks up for what people would consider the company and stuff is because y'all and I say y'all, not again. I'm not talking to you directly. I'm talking to, to the people. Let me, let me, in fact, let me change that. We want to live in the moment a lot longer than the moment should last. Like in WWE, the moment only lasts until the next show. That's just what it is. It's episodic television. But we wanted to be mad about that Kobe shit, that Kofi, that Kofi shit for months. What did you hear on the internet? Man, Kofi ain't even showing he mad. Why should he? He done moved on. The next week was the next week. The week after that was the next week after that. This man in title matches now. He's got tag titles to worry about. Xavier Woods tore his Achilles. He's got that to worry about. But y'all want him to fret and moan? In, on camera, I'm talking about. About a title he lost? It's just, it's just it's just not realistic. I don't begrudge anybody for having issues with that. But in the same breath that you can't begrudge anybody for having issues with that, you can't begrudge somebody for sticking up for the other side. And more importantly, uh, you have to know everything the other side says. I, li- I, I subscribed to SiriusXM for over a year for the sole purpose of listening to Busted Open. So all of these issues you're talking about, I was listening live when Mark talked about them. 
Lamar talked about Kofi. Lamar talked about Bianca. And more importantly, what I'm about to get to, Lamar talked about Leo Rush. I was listening live to all of these. And in all the situations, Mark has always said, man, you're a fan. I get how you feel. I know why you feel the way you feel. But let me tell you why things are the way they are and help you see things from a different perspective. Y'all don't see that whole statement if you're just looking on Twitter. You don't see that whole statement if you just see him respond to people that's trying to reach out to him or get at him. Y'all don't see that whole statement if all you do is read the dirt sheets. They're not going to tell the whole story. They're not going to tell the whole story. But the only time, in fact, I'm, I'm not even going to say the only time. Mark, I, I cannot, if I'm wrong, somebody tweet, tweet me at It's Ray Cash. Tell me the one time he has went at somebody unnecessarily for no reason without any pre-context or any purpose. Let's talk about the Leo Russ situation. The one thing fans refuse to acknowledge and probably don't even know. And I thank Sean Ross Sapp for tweeting it out just a few about a, just a few minutes ago. The only reason Leo Rush was talked about that day on Busted Open when Mark made those comments was because Leo Rush did an interview with Sean Ross Sapp saying all the things he said. Now, Mark Henry's media, what is the wrestling media supposed to do? Talk about wrestling issues. If when, when, when Dean Ambrose left WWE, did you expect for Busted Open not to talk about it? When Sting finally got signed to WWE, did you expect WWE not, Busted Open not to talk about it? When all the releases happened, did you expect Busted Open not to talk about it? No, that's their job. You ain't got to like it. You ain't got to listen. I, I unsubscribed because I got sick of it. But that's their job. You run a podcast, Rob. I run a podcast. I've run multiple. You write columns, I write columns. That's the job. Let's talk about the, the content of the day. Leo opened himself up by doing an interview that was critical of the company while under contract. He opened himself up for that. The reason Mark brought it up was because it was brought up on the show and Mark felt offended that Leo lied to him. Now, this is all fact. The rest of the stuff we can talk about is conjecture. This is all fact. Mark walked up to him when he heard the issues and said, bro, if you got some issues, talk to me. Maybe I can help you. If Leo didn't want to talk to him, that man could have said, no, man, look, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. He looked at Mark and said, no, everything's good. That's a lie. So the way Mark felt, and again, you can if you think he's wrong, that's fine. I got no umbrage or, or no issue with you thinking he was out of line for his feelings. We all out of line for our feelings sometimes. But Mark was simply reacting to the fact that Leo Rush did a critical interview complaining about things. Mark tried to talk to him about it before the interview ever came out. And Leo said, no, I'm good. Everything's fine. And then he comes out and complains about the very things Mark tried to help him with. And all Mark was like, well, man, look, all you have to do is reach out to me. I could have helped. But these issues you got, you must not understand. The issues were, for those of you who don't remember, Leo took umbrage with having to carry water and bags into arenas. And Leo 
was complaining about not not having enough money on the road or getting paid enough and not getting royalties from Bobby Lashley stuff, even though at the time he was negotiating a new contract from NXT to main roster and wanted more money, thought he deserved more money instead of the contract that was offered. Now, these aren't things that were in the news. These aren't things that Meltzer told the world. These came directly from Leo Rush's mouth in the interview with Sean Ross Sapp. Go to Fightful.com and go look for it if you don't believe me. So what's a media person supposed to do? Ignore that? Now, if we in the media, right? I, I, hate to, I hate to admit it, but right now, me and you, this is a media session, a podcast. You do a podcast every week. I typically, technically kind of do a podcast fairly weekly, but fairly often. You write columns, I write columns. I have had media press passes to wrestling shows. We are in the media, whether we like it or not. If somebody says something about me or mentions something about me that I was involved with in another medium, you best believe I'm going to bring it up. So it's cool for Leo to bring up the issues after everything was supposedly squashed. But Mark was wrong for bringing up the issues when it was relevant. I, okay. I just feel I, like I don't, I don't want to keep going on and on and on and on and on. I know this is a conversation, so I'm going to end it with this. I feel like we, paint, we pick and choose and we paint who we want to attack or who we want to look at in the frame of who we want to look at, look at them in daily. So Mark Henry, who by and large has an impeccable track record when it comes to the things he's done for black athletes and black wrestlers and the company, he gets caught in a couple of things that the whole story isn't told. And now we've changed our whole perception on the guy. I just don't think that's fair. And I don't think everything Mark did was right for the record. Mark was out of line for talking about that man's money. You don't ever talk about another man's finances. You don't know. He was out of line for that. He's out of line for saying he's going to sue a guy over some tweets. Out of line. The kid just got fired. But by and large, man, if Leo, if it's cool for Leo to stick up for himself and speak on his own behalf of something that was said about him, Mark had every right to do it in the first place. Yeah, now. Uh, oh, you, brother. Okay. So, I guess the counter to, you know, Leo, well, okay, so Mark, you know, he said he asked Leo about stuff, and Leo said everything's cool. Now, you know, the counter that I've seen from, you know, in some of my Twitter conversations is that, no, everything wasn't cool, but he didn't feel like Mark was somebody he could actually talk to. And... And I think there's a kind of a generational thing here. Um, well, I think it was it's escalated into more than that, but guys like Mark and like Booker T, they're in their fifties now, and it's not well not because of what age they are, but you know they basically what you know the crap that got flung at them, whether it was racist or not, they dealt with it and they navigated their way through it, and now. You know, and they came out okay in the end. You know, Mark is in the media. Mark does stuff with WWE. Booker T's got 
Like he's on he's on TV with them. He's got his reality of wrestling thing going, and all of that. So I mean, they both made out that they in the long run, having not you know aired everything out, having just chosen to navigate and deal with stuff, and you know not die on the hill. Now, you know you got, but that you know now in twenty. And I see this, you know, I'm I'm 46, so I'm almost their age. But you know, I'm at point now where they're, I mean, they're brothers on my job who are 20 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And they're not always, they're not trying to navigate everything either. Right? And so you have to kind of, you have to understand that, that there's kind of that, I guess to me, like, so it's some younger people that got a different mentality as far as navigating stuff Absolutely. and dealing with it and, and not putting it out there like that. So when you're in a position where you're either an official or unofficial mentor to those folks, you got to keep that in mind. And I think you have to, like, you can't just tell them to not worry about that stuff. You have to kind of, you have to see where they are on this and you have to help them. You know, you're there to help them figure out how to succeed, basically. And you have to be willing to listen, and you have to be willing to just hear the way they see some stuff. And you got to kind of, and it's your job to kind of point them in the right direction, so that okay, I know you just don't want to sit here and take stuff, maybe like I did, but mm-hmm. there's a right way and a wrong way to be more vocal about this stuff too. You know, if you want to be more vocal about it, okay. But you got to be, you know, you got to be more vocal about it in a way that doesn't get you locked out. Or if it turns out that, you know what, you can't, if it turns out that you can't be happy here doing things that way, then, you know what, then let me help you find something else to do and let me help you find a way out of this so that you don't burn bridges and that you can get on to whatever it is you'd rather be doing. And I think with guys like Mark, I think that's what he's not seeing. I think he's seeing it strictly as these young boys from hot heads now, and they need to calm down. And Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And you have to, if they don't see the benefit of being more diplomatic, you have to kind of, I mean, you're supposed to help kind of bridge the gap there so that, they can see the benefits of being more diplomatic, but they but also so that they can be true to themselves and not be out here doing something that they just can't sit with, right? If it ultimately, if you if handling that kind of stuff diplomatically, if you can't live with that in that space, then you know I'm not going to tell you that. Well, you, well, you just got to figure out how to live with it. I mean, if you can't, then we all need to be honest about that. And then I need to help you figure out what the best course of action is for you. And that might be helping you get on somewhere else doing something else. You know, and I think that's where, so, I mean, I mean look, Leo's doing the music thing now. It might just be that, you know what, he's good at wrestling, but he ain't trying to be about the wrestling business. And that might be really what it is. Yeah, that's so, very well. Yeah. It, yeah. 
And so, you know, if you're in, you know, if you're someone like Margaret Booker and you're in what's supposed to be kind of a mentorship position, then maybe that's a conversation you should have with him. And where you can just say, look, man, um, you know, every business has its BS you got to deal with or whatever. If if you're not trying to deal with the BS that comes with the wrestling business, then let's just be honest about it. And if you're not trying to do that, then okay, well, then find, then, you know, maybe find something else where, find some other business where you can deal with the BS or where you, you know, and or where you feel more comfortable with the business element of it. And, you know, I'll help you get there in such a way that if for some reason you do want to come back later, don't still open. Legit question, Rob. Legit question. And I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just, I really want to know what you think. You said something that's so poignant, and I think is an issue with our generation, and well, my generation, because I'm I'm 32. I'll be 32 in a couple in about a month. Uh, is that the generation? I guess that kind of starts right after me, 30 and younger. They just don't. We came up in a place where if I had an issue with you, dog, I'd call you and say, "What's up." This generation doesn't do that. And that's, I mean, everybody's different. Generations are different. But this issue could have been fixed so easily if they would have just talked. But my question to you is, looking at what we can historically see as fact, Mark walked up to the dude and talked to, tried to talk to him. Leo wasn't having it, right? And I'm, I'm not from a malicious standpoint, I just either think he didn't know what Mark was talking about or he just didn't want to, he just didn't want to talk to him. Mark talks about what he talks about on Busted open. Leo never talks about it again until over a year later and brings it up. As he does that, Mark reaches out and says, look, you want to, if you really got an issue with it, here's the number to bust it open. We're on from this time to this time. Call this number. Ask for the producer. We'll get you on the air immediately. Leo doesn't call. So at some point, what you're saying is real. They need to talk. But there's only one person reaching out. Well, yeah, now, like I said, my, my seven four about it turning into a show. That's where it is now, and now it's at yep. a point now where, you know, both of them are kind of in that I ain't no punk kind of mode now. Oh yeah, they in their feelings. Both of them are. Yeah. So now, I mean, right now, I mean, I, it ain't happening right now. I mean. Maybe one day down the road where there's no attention on them, they might sit down or whatever. But it ain't happening right now. So right now, you know, they're in their feelings, both of them, and they've dug the hill in, and they both got people probably telling them that they're right. (laughs) So (laughs) right now, you know, it ain't going to be no back down to either one of them right now. Which, yeah, I mean, that's that's unfortunate, but, I mean, I think that's just where it is right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so much of so, so much of issues nowadays, especially the issues that stem from or on Twitter, is just a bunch of BS conjecture, and he said, she said, and I don't want to talk to you, you don't want to talk to me because my feelings hurt, and all this nonsense, man. It's unnecessary. Yeah. This is the dumbest yeah, yeah. issue. 
Now, I guess, again, where I'll take Mark to task again is that, okay, Mark, you're supposed to be older and wiser. You're supposed to be able to read the room better. You're supposed to, I mean, you should see how this is looking on Twitter and everything. I mean, you're supposed to be the wiser one to see how this is starting to look and then oh, yeah. fall back. Oh, you're, dead. you're, you, you're dead right about that. You, because you're supposed to be smarter than that. You're the one who's been through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're the one with all the experience. You're, you're the one that's supposed to be coming. And not that Leo can't figure that out for himself, but, I mean, you're old enough to be that, that man's father. And, like I said, you've been through all the stuff. You know, you've been through it all. And you are supposed to be one that's kind of able to look at things and see how things are looking and see how you're looking, how you're coming off, fair or unfair. I mean, just like, you know, something when, you know, when, like with any other, like, kind of Twitter argument, sometimes you, you look at them tweets you've been fired off and, and you can see it's like, okay, you know what? I ain't really doing myself no favors right here. And yeah. being, you know, being, being the older, wiser of the two, he's supposed to be able to kind of look and figure that out. I mean, you're right, but I, I, but in the same breath, and yes, you're absolutely right. I have no disagreement with you at that point at all. But I just don't find it fair that we take he's he should be held to that standard, but Leo shouldn't. Like ACH, everybody begged that dude to chill, and now six months later, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like, you know, I just, I don't think it's fair because while Leo isn't as old and isn't as wise and been through the things that, that Mark has, Mark, Mark has, Leo brought this back up out of nowhere. True. So, so like, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, he literally brought this up out of nowhere. If it was that important to you, you could have tweeted the dude. He follows you. DM him. Call him. That's the thing that I think the people who... A lot of the people who are taking Mark to task on some of these things, some of them, again, are valid. But feeling like you were saying where, like, he's like the guy you tried out when you need, when you need, you know, the black people got to be. A lot of the people who may feel that way are not giving credence to the fact that Leo started the entire situation both times. With his interview the first time and with bringing us up out of nowhere the second. That's right. You're right on that one. And, well, I guess the other thing is, I mean, he's in the most sympathetic position right now. Oh, well, that's the truth. Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. just, it is what it is. And, that, and that's where, look, where, and you know, where a lot of this, this social media stuff, the way the way things shake out, it, it all depends on who's in the more sympathetic position to start with. If... If you know if you if, you, if you're starting out, whoever's starting out in that position is always is you know going to get more support. You know their stuff isn't going to get twisted around as much, and all of that. And I mean, so you know, if, you know, looking at Mark's position, I mean, it's another one of them things where. You know, I mean, he, well, in the future, he needs, he needs to be more mindful. Of that. That's like, like last year with, um, you know, like when Seth got in all that hot water last year, right, because he, you know, 
simply because he came out in defense of the WWE when it was when the hot thing to do was to say that, that everything they were doing was terrible. And, you know, Seth Rollins jumped out there and, you know, stood up for his coworkers and all that, and then he basically got called, you know, he got called a houseman. <laughs> you, you notice a trend here, right? You notice a trend. <laughs> all of these issues are stemming from the fact that people have the gall to stand up for their WWE. It's the same reason people attack me. I, I used to get attacked on Twitter and, and places I used to write it all the time called a shill. People will say that I that Vince is, I'm on the payroll and all the, you know that my 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 opinions are invalid because I like what WWE is doing and, and have the nerve to set, to stand up for them. I think that that's ridiculous in its own right because anything AEW can do, people love it. Anything New Japan does, people love it. If it happened, if the same things happened in WWE, I'd be attacked. That is so valid. Seth Rollins essentially got turned heel because he had the gall to say, WWE is good, and I make more money than Will Ospreay. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so Mark is kind of in that same boat because, I mean, look, I mean, you, you, you're not going to get support. <laughs> Standing up for them or defending them. I mean, you're, you're right. Under. I mean, you're not. You're right. So then, you're right. I mean, yeah. So I live that life. I know you're right. You know, so I mean that, and you know that goes on top of the, you know, the racial stuff too. Because, for example, people forget. I mean, people totally forget that ACH he unloaded on Ring of Honor. Well, he didn't unload on Honor, bro. He unloaded on the one person. <laughs> He sent that. He sent that bullet at one dude. <laughs> yeah, but then, I mean, he, and he, I mean, he said some stuff about them as a company, and there's actual evidence because I mean, he was there, Leo was there, Cedric was there, Chief Lee was there. Those dudes were all there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, but we know Ring of Honor's history, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, those dudes were all there. So I mean, and none of them hardly got anything. I think, yeah. I mean, I mean, the only brothers who've gotten anything ring on are Jay Lethal and Kenny King. <laughs> and and Kenny King keep getting nothing but TV title reigns. That's it. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, he unloaded on them too, but yeah, nobody cares. You know, I mean, and that's just kind of you know, and that's just kind of how it goes, right? I mean. You know, I mean, you're going to be in a sympathetic position. If it's if it's you versus the WWE, you're going to be in. You're starting off in a more sympathetic position, no matter what. Yep. And and with, so with this thing with Mark and Leo, you have that, and then you have the racial element on top of that. And yep. so yeah, so yeah, so in a lot of people's eyes, Mark Henry looks like the house Negro. I'm just going to call it what yep. it is. Oh yeah, there's no winning. Mm-hmm. There's no winning in the situation. Um, and again, like I said, that, that's not you know. Do we agree with everything he said? And that I mean, we both voiced some real disagreement to how he's handled some parts of it. Oh, absolutely. But you know, but I mean, he started out in on the wrong side to begin with, as far as perception. So. Oh yeah, right. Let's leave it there, my brother. 
Uh, All right. We were supposed to be an hour, and we're here almost hitting on two. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all good, bro. It's all good. <laughs> Tell the people where they can find you, man. All right. So, once again, uh, the, uh, the Rob the Genius podcast is on Anchor, it's on Spotify, uh, Apple, iTunes. I got my website, robthegenius.com. Going on five years for that now. And you can find me, you know, I do stuff with chairshot.com also. And you can find me on Twitter at R-B-O-N-N-E-1. And I think that's everything right now. <laughs> and, of course, I'm at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in dollars, as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Um, I host the Church, the uh, Outsider's Edge podcast. Wow, I'm so, I have not done this in so long. Uh, but you can find that at Outsider's Edge CS. Um, of course, we're a part of the Chair Shot Radio Network at Chair Shot Radio at the Chair Shot, where you always use your head. And uh, we appreciate you guys for listening to this, man. Uh, yeah, hit us up, tweet us. We're, 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 we'd love to continue the conversation on Twitter. Reach out to us. And uh, other than that, man, uh, for my boy Rob, we out of here. Y'all be good. All right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.